Hello, Recursive community. Welcome back to our podcast series. Our next guest is a seasoned manager who walked all the way from consulting to entrepreneurship to ecosystem building. Mumchi Vasilev is the managing director of the Global Entrepreneurial Network Endeavor for Bulgaria. In his role, he helps create a vibrant entrepreneurial ecosystem and nurture founders with global ambitions, the ability to scale fast and give back mindset. Prior to that, Vasilev has over 20 years of experience in management and business development. He co-founded the biotech company called Provity and exited it very successfully, led the corporate um, development of via investment group and oversaw audits, mergers and acquisitions at PricewaterCoopers. Mumchu, it's very, very dear to me that you're here. <laughs> Thank you for, for the invitation. It's always a pleasure. It's been actually um, <clears throat> high time that you're here. I'm almost feeling guilty that we didn't invite you earlier. <laughs> I have to say, because the way that I see you as an ecosystem building, the way that I, I got to know you, You are very conscious in your actions, in what you do, and very optimistic about the future of the Bulgarian ecosystem. And in this sense, um, I still would like to bring you a bit, back, a bit back in time to the beginning of your career. You kicked off your professional experience at PricewaterCoopers at the young age of 17. <laughs> How did you experience Um, how did your the experience there paved your way uh, from um, your own business venture? Um, I'm going to say it again. Not from for. <clears throat> how did your experience there pave the way for your own business adventure afterwards? Hmm. You actually just reminded me uh, well, a long time ago this was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because back then it was still price for a house. The Coopers was not in the picture yet. Um, well, starting off uh, in a consultancy firm mm. at that time, at that age, um, I believe was a great school, school of life, if you wish, mm -hmm. because it taught me um, several things, probably. Uh, key of which is work ethics. You know, the getting it done is the, the, the main motto at, uh, at this kind of um, trade. Mm. And uh, this kind of resilience actually uh, served me very well mm. onwards in, in any sort of venture that um, I took on. But isn't it early at the age of 17 to learn resilience? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> isn't it still the time where you're supposed to have fun and party? And <laughs> uh, you, you haven't even finished school at this point. I was, I was grade 11 back then. Yeah. And it was borderline uh, illegal uh, <laughs> what I did and what PW did at the time. But uh, mm -hmm. there we go. Mm -hmm. uh, these were the times. Uh, well... I didn't miss the fun part. Actually, I had a lot of fun and probably that was the reason why I stuck with this organization for quite some time. I spent the next 17 years of my <laughs> life uh, within this organization uh, and, the f and the fun was a major part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I kind of got the best of both, both worlds. What it also taught me is that it's very important to stay relevant. You know, being a consultant, you have to be 
relevant to to the people you work with. You uh, you have to bring um, more value to them than what they already have, which necessitates also the constant needs to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to stay ahead of the game in order to actually uh, be able to add value to to your customers, to tell them something that they don't know already. So these two things, staying relevant, solving relevant issues, and uh, constant learning were also uh, kind of key key traits that uh, helped me along the way further on. How about people skills? I'm thinking that the consultant always is in a way also maybe a therapist, maybe for your business, but uh, you have to have certain people skills in order to <laughs> accompany business leaders, managers on their path to understanding certain things that maybe sometimes they don't want to look at. <laughs> True. And the major part of this is uh, gaining their trust. Mm. Uh, there are a couple of ways to gain their trust. You know, first of all, okay, it's uh, you have to appear trustful. Uh, and by the way, that's the reason why I actually uh, put on uh, glasses back then, uh, spectacles. <laughs> I didn't need them, but I was only 17 and I need to look, uh, needed to look respectful uh, to all my clients. <laughs> so there we go. I put some, uh, some glasses on. And then, of course, you have to make sense. Yes. Um, you have to really deliver on... Uh, on the ideas, on on the commitments, on that you, that you take on, mm-hmm. and this is how you become really a partner to to the people you you work with. Yeah. <clears throat> so having these important skills in your backpack, at some point you decided that you're going to do your own venture. Still, after seven year, seventeen years in a corporation, and that's a big corporation, where you have also the culture, which is not probably necessarily very entrepreneurial. How did you dare to make the step? I, it, it's almost unimaginable. You said it's not very entrepreneurial, but it's uh, well, it's actually true and not true. Okay. Uh, it depends how you position yourself and mm-hmm. how how do you play it. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had a, my first entrepreneurial venture well, I was still with PwC, mm-hmm. uh, and I did it for PwC. My first entrepreneurial venture was developing uh, the office of PwC in Varna. Okay. Uh, it was a, basically <laughs> a startup uh, that I had to build, uh, and it ended up uh, being a fairly successful operation at some point. Um, then I moved to a couple of other experiments. Uh, I'm a huge fan of National Geographic, so at some point I uh, convinced some friends to uh, start importing uh, National Geographic merchandise in Bulgaria and also producing all sorts of uh, products with the brand mm-hmm. uh, to the surprise of National Geographic, of course. Um, so you you get to learn from the people you interact with and your customers, your clients. Some of them are corporates, but back then we started to work quite actively with Bulgarian entrepreneurs. So uh, it was a huge inspiration for me to see how these people uh, built their businesses Mm -hmm. and the path they went through. Uh, 
that led me to uh, gather some courage and just jump into mm-hmm. the void uh, at some point. And, um, and it was a, a very educational experience, let's put it this way. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. On the one hand, you capitalize on, on the contacts that you have built over all those years, on the knowledge you have uh, accumulated over all those years, uh, and yet it, it doesn't even compare to the experience you get uh, when you start doing it yourself. So, again, that, uh, that taught me a huge respect to the entrepreneurs that I've been meeting along the way. Um, the venture itself, uh, the venture itself is, was, a, as, I, as I said, educational process, an expensive educational process. Okay. So it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> which were the challenges that maybe you faced and which uh, gave you the most important lessons? Because I think we actually learn most from the hard times, right? And <laughs> Inevitably. <laughs> Usually when we jump into... Um, a venture in, on our own, or a venture of our own, uh, we are a bit too optimistic of what is coming ahead. And we jump because we don't know what is coming ahead. This is usually the story that I actually hear from guests here, and which I can also confirm from my side. So unexpected challenges, and what did you learn from them? Do you remember? Um, lots of them, obviously. Uh... One lesson I learned is that when you go into an adventure like this, you better have a partner. Okay. Uh, there's nothing better than um, having someone to pick you up when you're down mm-hmm. uh, and nothing worse to be alone in, uh, on this trip, both uh, facing challenges and also celebrating some, uh, some success. Uh, so I had the, the, the chance and uh, the luck to uh, convince at that time my brother to uh, join me in, in, in this adventure. And that was a huge help for me. And I also had a very dedicated team. And that uh, you asked me about the lessons. If there's one thing you should do is to gather around you, you know, a good group of people, like-minded people that... Uh, also willing to, to take this risk, to jump in, into this void, and not to regret it, not mm-hmm. to uh, complain about the outcomes if they're negative, mm-hmm. uh, and push forward. Mm-hmm. So this kind of, again, resilience uh, is something that um, is probably my biggest lesson. Mm-hmm. And there is maybe a little gap so between your own venture and Endeavor, still, what brought you to Endeavor? Can you maybe follow yeah, um, the story? What happens afterwards? So you, you sold the company, right? Um, uh, yeah. No, actually, oh, okay. it's uh, okay. still operational. Oh. There's some interesting uh, projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just spun off the R&D part and the investment part. Okay. Uh, so there's a dedicated team who deals with the R&D part now. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to uh, develop uh, and almost there to develop a, a new uh, formula f- for the beer industry. Wow. Uh, that would make uh, the beer healthy. Unhealthy beer. <laughs> Isn't it healthy already? <laughs> Even healthier. Uh, so, uh, Endeavor kind of happened 
along uh, alongside of this, mm-hmm. I got a call from a couple of friends uh, who are still at, uh, serving in the Endeavors board mm-hmm. in Bulgaria. They said, you know what, we were discussing that you might probably be a good fit for this role. What do you think? And at that time, I knew very little about Endeavor. So the more I started to to learn in order to give them some feedback, obviously, uh, the more I started to learn about Endeavor, I thought to myself, look, how awesome it would have been if there was Endeavor when I was starting my venture. Hmm. Uh, That would save me a lot of pain, uh, even more money, uh, and uh, mostly a lot of time. Just through the interaction with people who have been through this process and could have told me, you know, what to avoid and who to meet and uh, how to to raise funds, for example, for this. Yeah. Uh, when I was starting Provity, uh, none of this was available. So Endeavor sounded so much relevant to me, to my entre- uh, entrepreneurial experience. And I thought that, you know, if it sounds relevant to me, it's probably very relevant to a lot of other people. Yeah. And um, What year was that? That was 2016. 2016. Yeah. Wow. Towards the end of 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also combined a few things that I really like to do. First of all, meeting people, connecting people, mm-hmm. um, helping them in any way. In Piraguzi, I was doing it for, uh, I was charging for this. <laughs> now I had the chance to uh, to do it, uh, you know, for the sake of it. Yeah. Uh, and then being part of uh, the success of so many uh, is very rewarding personally. Mm-hmm. So there is this selfish element uh, there, <laughs> there too. I remember I was talking to a successful person years back and he told me there is no true altruism. In the end, we do good because it makes us feel good. It's actually very selfish. <laughs> that's that's very true. That, that's very true. You know, okay. um, you feel really good about what you're doing and that's your reward. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good thing is that it also helps others. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I last year the highlight of my last year was uh, the fact that I was invited to deliver a commencement address at my son's school. Um, big uh, challenge, biggest of the years. It took me quite some time to figure out what should I tell these kids, something that's meaningful that makes sense, and on the other hand, to just keep their attention for more than thirty seconds. You know. Uh, you know, these are people about to to have a big party. Mm-hmm. So uh, it took me a lot of. Um, I'm very interested. Uh, in that. I think these commencement speeches are sometimes very wise because it really makes us think and digest the <laughs> wisdom. The expectation, exactly. <laughs> but it also needs to be fun, you know, for of course, because of the occasion. <laughs> so yeah. I did a lot of self-reflection and soul searching about what am I good at how how do i make myself useful and i came up with the idea that i'm all about you know connecting people Mm. so 
This <laughs> this, this came uh, this gave birth to the sort of the uh, the line I started with, yeah. telling these kids that um, my name is Mumchio Vasilev, and uh, by conviction I'm a pimp. <laughs> 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 you know, in Bulgarian, the the root of the word. Uh, Pimp actually uh, is the same as uh, the one for bringing people together. Yes. So there we go. You know, that, that's <laughs> what I do. That's what I enjoy doing. <laughs> but I can so much relate to that. You know, my whole life I felt like I don't know my calling. I remember when I finished school, I literally went to my mom and I told, I asked her, "What should I study? What am I good at?" Because I had all the good notes. That was like a must in my family. You have to have the good notes. But then, where is your talent? And I, I could never really figure it out until the moment when I realized, and that was when I came back uh, to Bulgaria, and then I also got to know you. In the beginning, I knew two or three people in Sofia. I'm not speaking about our entrepreneurial ecosystem. I didn't, didn't know anyone. But I, I just applied this rule. You have to get to know the people. And then things start to emerge, synergy start to appear, and... One thing leads to another. One thing leads to another. <laughs> and here we are. True, here. true, Okay, true, but true. It's, a, it's a talent or, yeah, a skill that is very hard to recognize because in the end you, you're not really doing something. You're just having fun talking to people, listening to their stories, right? Yeah, and making connections. Ah, these two, maybe they can help each other. <laughs> true, true. Uh, that's why I said that it took me a lot of self-reflection, you know, to <laughs> realize that but this is actually why I'm probably relevant to some people. What else did you figure out about yourself? What are you, what else are you good at? Or, or what do you suck at? Also, tell hmm. me. <laughs> uh, I'm suck at patience. <laughs> okay. Yes. Hence, I started work at 17. Yeah. Uh, you know, I probably never won, uh, I was in swimming, uh, all sorts of other things, never won first prize f- for anything, but I won prizes for being the youngest uh, doing it quite a few times. <laughs> so uh, you were ready to become true. To be a grown-up. And, uh, initially, what did you want to be as a grown-up when you were a kid? Oh, lots of things. Uh, Astronomer, Whoa, um, okay. travel guide. As I mentioned, I, mm. I love geography. Um, can't can't remember all of and them. Let but... me guess. You're also someone who has very versatile interests. I mean, we see you in your professional capacity, but at home you're probably interested in all sorts of things. I mean, you mentioned National Geographic. Obviously, that's true, and that's probably something I really like about myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that uh, you have to be curious about the world. Mm. That can give you a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. Ideas that work in, in very unexpected and amazing ways later on in your life. So learning about different things from history to um, physics to uh, cultures and geography... All this somehow then combines into uh, a good idea, mm. um, someone that you the know. associations, yeah, yeah. the links, the lateral thinker. <clears throat> you mentioned before that uh, you suck at patience and at the same time you're working for a cause that actually requires a lot of time. So I think making impact and seeing the fruits of it 
um, requires patience. At the same time, when you're impatient, maybe you would be much more rushing it and, and focusing it and you know, bringing change a bit faster than someone who is patient. I can't say. Still, can you share a bit more about the mission of Endeavor? And also, how is it applied here in Bulgaria? You started 2016, 2017 probably in, the, in this period. Mm-hmm. Now there are... Um, Five, six years? Almost seven. Almost seven years? Yeah. Do you feel what you've done is fruitful? I'm not going to share my opinion yet. Hmm. <laughs> uh, now, first of all, about the patients yeah. uh, with the age, I'm getting a little bit, a little bit better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to hear that. <laughs> uh, but you are right that um, the kind of things that we do, we all do, actually. You, me everyone in this ecosystem, they require time. Um, you know, it takes uh, uh, some accumulation in quantity to, to achieve a change in quality. Yes. <laughs> um, so you learn to, to play a long game. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that even achieving small size success every day, uh, they tend to accumulate to something more substantial. And the patience part comes when you have to really wait until the right moment to move to the next mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Endeavor uh, is all about uh, helping what we call high-impact entrepreneurs mm-hmm. to grow big and through their success to impact the economy and the society in general. And this is what we do. We have to find them, we have to help them, and we have to install um, or uh, inspire them for this um, give back mentality that we're all about. Mm-hmm. It takes time because it's a, it's a cultural shift for many people uh, because of the genesis. Uh, probably, yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, but you see that initially you have one or two people that get it, get it one, or, one or two people that have a sizable success, then they're five, then they're ten, uh, and then they start to help the others. And then now we have, I think, over 50 companies uh, across our three programs. Mm-hmm. Mm, we have some of our entrepreneurs who we found deeply underground, uh, like Presi, who you know well. Presi uh, Yes, mm-hmm. uh, who are now very active in the ecosystem. Yes. Uh, he's a board member at Endeavor. He's, a, he's an active uh, investor and supporter and quite a few others. Mm-hmm. And that's very rewarding, you know, to see. And that makes you believe, convinces you that uh, this thing is possible. It just takes more effort, more time. Uh, and more perseverance again mm-hmm. to to push it through. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so yeah, I see uh, I see the results of our work now. I see the uh, the ecosystem coming to an uh, to to a stage where it can really jump to the next level. Mm-hmm. And this is where our next mission. Uh, probably lies mm-hmm. as, a, as an organization to try to 
galvanize this jump to make sure that every, um, everyone else in the ecosystem is uh, sort of uh, prepared for this and also uh, equipped with the necessary resources yeah. to jump there because we cannot do it on our own. <clears throat> I remember spending once hours in your office and I wanted to know First of all, what are high-impact entrepreneurs? And I think it might be worth it to share a bit more about it. And second of all, what is give-back mentality? Hmm. <laughs> because these are things which are, um, yeah, some, they're very abstract. They're like constructs. True. Yeah. And at the same time, these are the things that may have a huge effect on how are we going to develop as an ecosystem because it's not about the single stories of each of but it's about building like the backbone of this entrepreneurial ecosystem so that we can all move together and this is what you do and it's very invisible um, invisible <laughs> sometimes it might feel very invisible uh, again because it takes a lot of uh, time and patience mm. to uh, accumulate sufficient critical mass before it starts uh, to become visible. Yes. Um, high impact. High impact is uh, probably defined by uh, two things. First of all, it's the size, inevitably. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why we really want to help these entrepreneurs to achieve a certain size of their uh, of their ventures. Mm -hmm. And that's why we are focused in the scale-up uh, space of okay. the entrepreneurial journey, because that's when they create most um, value, most jobs, most capital mm -hmm. uh, for the economy. Uh, so part of the impact is this, but even more important part of the impact, uh, of the high impact is the state of mind. Okay. Uh, sometimes it's not just about the size of your business, but the size of uh, uh, of your energy or the, the level of your energy uh, that you uh, spread around uh, in in the ecosystem mm. by helping others by uh, connecting people by bringing ideas to the table and this is also very important it's by the way it's not just reserved to commercial entrepreneurs. Yeah. Uh, we do have some great examples in our ecosystem about people who are, who are in my mind, uh, uh, high-impact entrepreneurs in their own right mm -hmm. because they do uh, great social work. Mm. Um, just to mention Lazar's initiatives. Um, they do great educational projects like Telerik Academy yeah. Or even they do some things that are relevant for the environment, like uh, uh, Sergei's beehive, for example. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to make a lot of money to do this. Okay. Now, we as an organization, we're focused on the commercial part, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, but it doesn't uh, mean that we are not trying to help everyone else. Mm -hmm. Again, through our network, through our resources. Uh, Give back mentality is a key part of all this, of this high impact, because you can be really successful. There are many ways to make money. Uh, it's about how you spend those money and those resources. Money are just a resource. Uh, you accumulate resources 
through your success. And if you don't have this give back mentality, this realization that you are a, you are a product of uh, the environment you are part of. My favorite quote: "No man is an island," you know, by John Donne. Mm-hmm. Um, you are part of the whole. So it's your responsibility, actually, to pay back, to help others do this. And eventually, it's a little bit selfish as well, mm-hmm. because by creating a better environment around yourself, you live a better life. Yeah. You have a better um, working uh, or business conditions. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, to a certain extent, self-serving, mm-hmm. and that's okay. The more you, and that's a that's actually a virtuous circle. The more you give back, the better the better environment becomes. Uh, the better you uh, you you are. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing wrong with this. Nothing wrong with this. Of course not. Of course not. And it's a game. Also, if you if we move away from philosophy and towards physics. Um, uh, and mathematics, it's a gaming theory. It's a game theory. You know, mm-hmm. if we are in the game just to take, eventually we all lose. Uh, but if we are, uh, if we realize that it's uh, it's important to play with the others, mm-hmm. then uh, it's a, it's a mutual success. <clears throat> How would you describe, or what made the impact of Endeavor Bulgaria on the Bulgarian entrepreneurial ecosystem visible? How would you describe, how do you see that? What have you achieved? Maybe mm. there is a situation, maybe there is a conversation, maybe there is a statement of someone. When did you feel and knew that, okay, this is it, this is what we do and it, it's, it's going well? Hmm. Mm. Now, first of all, it's very tempting to take the credit that we've changed uh, the ecosystem or the environment <laughs> in any way. Uh, again, we are just part of the picture, part of the puzzle. Um, I'd like to think that we have probably inspired other players in the ecosystem to uh, to dream bigger and to be more active, and we help quite a lot of them uh, in many ways. Uh, but it's a it's a joint effort, it's, and it's a joint success, to be honest. Um, so I would rather highlight the success of the ecosystem as, as a whole compared to when we started this uh, mm-hmm. this venture. Back then, it was um, a very obscure sect of people um, <laughs> from the point of view of the general public uh, <laughs> who were doing... Um, some fancy stuff, not necessarily uh, practical mm. uh, in terms of uh, entrepreneurial ventures. Now, I would say that these days, entrepreneurship uh, is going to mainstream. More and more people, uh, again, from the general public, understand and appreciate what the new wave of entrepreneurship, the new model of entrepreneurship is all about. Mm-hmm. And the impact it brings not just to the economy, but also to the society in terms of values, in terms of aspirations, if you wish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a bubble, but it's a much bigger bubble. Okay. And, and there is a clear path how we can actually grow it even bigger. 
I want to hear more about it afterwards, but finish your thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's, to me, that's a big success. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we now have even the political establishment mm-hmm. uh, that understands the value or, the, or at least the importance of, uh, of this particular uh, part of the society and this particular part of the industry, the, the economy, mm-hmm. uh, and understand that it's somehow... Um, unavoidable part, and actually not not that they're trying to avoid it, but it's actually important for the future of our country and our society. It's an integral to, uh, part to mm-hmm. to work with it and to support it going forward because it's a it's a dynamic word and it's a, again about relevance. If you don't ride the wave, the wave will just uh, crush you. Ride uh, you <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. So. That's to me. That's that's the biggest success of uh, of our ecosystem in in the past seven years. You still very much avoided, actually, you know, to give yourself a bit of credit on what <laughs> you have achieved. And it's I have to say that you know, as someone who is an outside observer, after talking also to one of the first entrepreneurs who became um, part of the Endeavor Network and how they have observed it, and they said, "Well, our ecosystem is so good because there is Endeavor. This is why we are so much." Ahead, um, I guess in some way you did a magic. <laughs> I would like to know how did you come to the programs and the mechanisms and the initiatives that uh, um, you at some point developed. And actually, yeah, that's actually a great question. Um, so I guess you can have a certain inspiration from the global endeavor network, and still some of the programs they cannot be just copy pasted from. True. the regions that they were um, placed in or developed in. So you had to have a more individualized uh, and more regional approach to how you're going to develop this ecosystem because it's very specific. The culture is different and uh, the understanding of the entrepreneurs is different and their background often is different. Now I see that also in between the different countries in Southeast Europe. Though we have a lot in common, there are also certain differences. So you have to follow a different approach. What did you learn from these, um, um, maybe even trials and errors that you had with the initiatives about the, uh, developing an entrepreneurial ecosystem in, in Bulgaria? How did you f- understand now the mechanisms that kind of like make sense mm-hmm. that we should implement in order to support this ecosystem, to support entrepreneurial uh, thinking and social initiative? Uh, and maybe grow this bubble, uh, bubble bigger? Mm, I think the main part is, like in any entrepreneurial venture, is to constantly ask yourself about your relevance mm-hmm. and how are you useful to all those that you are there to serve. Uh, so that was probably, and still is uh, very much, the main driving force for me and for Endeavor for the team of Endeavor. Mm -hmm. We try to ask ourselves on a regular basis, how are we useful to the people we're working with? It's embedded in our strategic planning process. It's embedded in our uh, playbooks, et cetera, et cetera. So um, this is how we came up with most of the things we do. Of course, we use the know-how and sort of the, the... the pattern that the global organization has provided us. Mm. 
Uh, but we did quite a few innovations, to be honest. <laughs> Some of them surprised the global organization. Uh, and it did, and they mainly stem from, uh, stem from the fact that, um, uh, there's specific needs of this particular ecosystem and you are trying to address those needs. And if there is no one else to, that addresses them better than, than you, uh, then it's your, it's opportunity job. and job and duty to do this. Yeah. For example, this is how we started uh, the scale pro program. As I mentioned, we uh, are very much focused as a global organization in the scale-up phase of mm -hmm. uh, development of uh, the entrepreneurs. However, a few years ago, we, are, we realized that uh, the scale-up space has its shades of gray. And in our case here, at the time, you had quite a few resources helping um, uh, entrepreneurs in their startup phase, yeah. idea stage, MVP, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then we were sitting up on the hill, uh, working with the big bubbles, mm -hmm. and there was nothing in between. So the mortality yeah. rate between the startup phase and the scale-up phase was quite significant. Okay. Uh, and at the time, we didn't have the resources or the tools to help those early growth uh, companies mm -hmm. to bridge this gap. So naturally, we came up with, uh, with a tool set which was there to scale. Why was the mortality rate so high? What was missing? Because at the edge of being a startup mm -hmm. and starting your hockey stick growth, mm -hmm. You change the paradigm of uh, of how you do your business. Mm. As a startup, you, it's all about the um, uh, the skill set of the founder, if you wish, his mm. big idea, and which is mostly executed by his two hands and his partners and a small team. Uh, further on, it's about the vision of the founders and an organization that has to deliver on this vision. Mm -hmm. And this is, uh, these are two completely different ways of doing business. Okay. Uh, so the, the, the founders need to, uh, to grow out of it, out of this initial role into something else. Mm -hmm. uh, the organization needs to grow into this as well. Uh, and then you have added complexities like uh, international markets, fundraising, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so they that's a very, yeah. very different mm -hmm. ball game, yeah. and you need some guidance of how to play it. Mm -hmm. uh, not that it cannot be learned by uh, trial and error, but it will cost you a lot of bruises, time, uh, and money uh, to, to learn it. And sometimes you just fail along the way. I see myself also with the recursive in a stage where I'm afraid with of the blind spots. Like sometimes I'm thinking maybe there are risks that I'm actually not seeing. Maybe there is something, you know, that it. everyone knows that I, we're going to suck at it or we're going to, you know, fuck it up. But I just don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes me paranoid. And in this regard, I... Because we were part also of the Dare to Scale program, I really valued the fact that um, we could speak to people who walk this path, who has been through that, and who can actually say, so, yeah, it's very clear, 
Yeah, of course it's clear for you. <laughs> <laughs> but this is how I see it. This is how I will do it. And this is what you should actually focus on. Um, so I appreciate now how to put it, like the wisdom of people who have been through that much higher than an investment that you can actually get. And this is, I think, also one of the big misconceptions that people have about acceleration programs. Because are they giving money? No, no, no. Then, then we're not interested. And at the same time, you know, a good advice can, <laughs> can be so much more, more valuable for your business. Acceleration programs won't give you anything that you can't read in a good book. Oh, uh, <laughs> But nothing replaces this um, interaction Mm-hmm. among the people who are gathered there. Mm-hmm. So it is very much uh, a social platform mm-hmm. uh, for the entrepreneurs to not just correct their mistakes, but also to get encouraged about the things they do right. Awesome. Um, because sometimes you see the opportunity and it just seems too big to uh, to attack and you uh, don't dare <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay. so all these people it's a it's, it's a wisdom but it's a collective wisdom yeah uh, because it's amazing when you uh, when you hear from all of our entrepreneurs that regardless of how successful they are that they have learned something from a random conversation at mm-hmm. one of the events or programs that uh, we've had. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to the curiosity part uh, as a main trait of the entrepreneurship, this is what keeps you uh, keeps you afloat. This is what keeps you riding the, the wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be saying. curious yeah. and you have to... Uh, everyone can, can teach you something. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> can you share a couple of words about the main program? So... Uh, you realize at some point that in order for us to have a, a systemic progress that we need to address exactly this um, chasm, <laughs> this big hole where so many startups um, die before they become scale-ups. But what is there for the scale-ups? How do you help them? How do you support them? What do they need? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a big world out there. It is. Uh, so being big mm-hmm. as a, as a uh, entrepreneurial venture, as a company, is a very relative uh, thing. <laughs> There's always a bigger fish, as they say in uh, Star Wars. Uh, so there, is, uh, the, there are challenges of growing uh, globally. Mm-hmm. And this is our mission, actually, to help those companies, those entrepreneurs, to find these pathways, to find these resources that can help them really uh, become these big bubbles, bubbles that create this big, uh, this high impact on the local ecosystem, but probably even even wider. Mm-hmm. And uh, quite often, it still goes down to the very same things that are relevant for the smaller companies, but just the scale is different. Uh, you still need. Uh, the know-how. Mm-hmm. You still need the help of um, those mentors, those peers from around the world that can tell you how do you operate in Colombia, how do you operate in Saudi Arabia, how do you operate in Indonesia. Okay. Um, you st- it's a very common 
um, discussion that um, it's one thing to run an organization of 50 people. It's a different thing to, uh, to run an organization of um, 200 people and a completely different thing to run an organization of 2,000 people. So there are challenges at, the, at mm -hmm. each stage and there are people with experience that can help you at each stage. Mm -hmm. um, you need obviously also quite a bit of capital to, to grow into uh, mm -hmm. this size. Mm -hmm. So although initially you work with um, angel investors or local VCs or regional VCs, at some point you need the kind of tickets that only the big guys can provide. Yeah. And working with the big guys um, is, a, again, a different ballgame. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about generating distrust. It's about presenting yourself. It's about uh, being promoted in a proper way. And again, uh, an international network of trust helps in this process a lot uh, because for some of the big investors uh, it's more or less irrelevant I remember we had this um, situation a few years ago we were in, uh, in the valley talking to some investors back then they were very arrogant uh, and they would say look uh, if you want our money you come here Uh, we invest um, on a Uber distance. Um, <laughs> or if they were more generous, they would say on a Tesla distance. Uh, so they said, uh, if you are in, whether, whether you're in uh, Sacramento or in Sofia, it's all the same to us. You're not going to get that money. You have to come here. It all, about, apart from just the sheer arrogance of uh, this statement, It also comes from the fact that they don't have the resources to get to know this other country, this other market, this other geography mm -hmm. uh, where some very interesting projects come up, uh, come out of. Mm -hmm. Organization like Endeavor is a kind of a seal of approval for, for them to... Uh, to venture into this new geography. And we see it happening uh, more and more often, for example, through our global co-investment fund, Endeavor Catalyst. I was uh, just about to ask you uh, to what extent the Endeavor Catalyst fund and also being part of the global uh, Endeavor network is, but you said it, a seal of approval. And uh, Catalyst did their first investment in our region first two last year last yeah. year yeah payhawk payhawk and alcatraz yeah and alcatraz afterwards if yeah. as well mm -hmm. yeah that's true uh and that again uh gives some courage to the international investors to look into geographies that uh, they don't have uh, a, uh, a permanent presence in mm -hmm. uh, and gives them the comfort to actually Uh, go there. And mm -hmm. for a region like ours where we do need a lot of scale-up capital, this is important. You know? It is. It is. It is actually also one of the critical um, resources that, that we need in order to really grow global companies. Um, because you mentioned Paycock, um, and I remember the event of last year, and I remember your report that you published And I wanted to speak about a bit more about it. So last year you made a very thorough, was it last year? Yeah, last year, last beginning year, of last year. Beginning yeah. of last year. 
<clears throat> you made a very thorough analysis of what is happening in the ecosystem. What do we need in order to um, get to the next level? Can you maybe share a bit about the key takeaways from them? And um, do you see we are on the right trajectory one year later? <laughs> um, I do believe so. Okay. Uh, I do believe that um, our ecosystem now has all the necessary parts in place. Um, we have uh, uh, the scaled down model of what it should look like. Mm -hmm. uh, this success machine and it's now a matter of uh, adding more more resources more fuel to this machine okay. so it can really uh, become a, a unicorn hatchery or something okay um, unicorns as such you know the the mythical creatures these mythical creatures they they're all nice uh, and they're very important because they attract attention uh, but what is most important to me is the way we produce the unicorns it's one way it's one thing to uh, produce a unicorn uh, just as a, a random mistake of the nature mm -hmm. it's another thing to produce it as a result of systematic work of the entire ecosystem in our own market payhawk for me uh, is is a very good example of the of the latter yeah. uh, because it was conceived within uh, within a very successful organization being mm -hmm. Teleric, which in itself uh, as the founders of Teleric themselves would be the first to uh, admit was a was a random success you know they were doing the right thing at the right time um, and and they made it but then payhawk got the spirit within the org within this organization then it was helped um, by the founders of Teleric, by everyone else, mm -hmm. with advice, contacts, capital, mm -hmm. to get to this level where they are now. True. Uh, and that's a pattern, that's a model uh, that uh, we already have in place mm -hmm. as, a, as an infrastructure. We just need to strengthen the individual components of this infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that we can produce more of those successes on a regular basis and with even probably a larger scale. I wonder if it's not already the time also for us to maybe outline a bigger vision. Like where do we want to be in, I don't know, now I think everyone is speaking about 2080 or 2050. We see the fastest grown ecosystems usually had a very clear vision of where do they want to come uh, they want to get I'm speaking here of the startup nation in Israel I'm speaking here of uh, Singapore they actually wrote it down and they outlined it do you think we are ready to do that you know to uh, share this vision together and to work a bit more consistently towards it because it still feels like we are, you know, celebrating our successes. We are celebrating the unicorn race. We're going to celebrate Ampeco now and so many companies. But in order to have it on a systemic level, um, this machine needs to 
You're quite right, actually. Yeah. Uh, regardless of the fact that I'm a pathological optimist by nature, <laughs> um, I would say that um, we're doing very well on, on the tactical and strategical element of all this, but we have a lot of work to do on the visionary part. Yeah. Uh, so yes, we do have this machine mm-hmm. uh, put in place. We start to you know, spin the wheel, but we are still not clear where do we want to take this machine mm-hmm. to. Um, because for me, this opens up also a big question of identity, like um, who we are, what kind of hub do we want to be? What kind of ecosystem do we want to be? How are we going to contribute to the world in this mm-hmm. huge patchwork um, from a small Bulgaria. And we, what I really enjoy about startups and also innovation is that it doesn't matter how big you are. Look at Estonia. You mm-hmm. can produce really game-changing innovations um, from a very small country just because you're very focused in your efforts. You know, I also strongly believe in natural evolution. Hmm. Uh, and you know my past as a as a consultant has scarred me forever, and I strongly believe in processes. <laughs> uh, which is you, which is a good perspective, true, especially and, being in a startup. And, and that's why I I'm still quite a bit optimistic about the the direction that we're heading. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it's an, uh, this direction is unclear, but I know that we have all the right tools to get to a good place. What I mean is that we have the necessary process, the necessary infrastructure, that if it starts to work well, there's still some elements, and it's mainly around uh, the role of the, the legislation, the role of the government and the state and all this, but that's a separate topic. But we have all this pieces that are starting to work together and they and they move forward uh, and it just might be that the more critical mass we accumulate mm-hmm. then the vision will become more clear you know it will start to the lenses will start to to focus for us yeah. uh, into something that's really our um, our competitive advantage mm-hmm. Having said that, uh, I do believe that it's we can now afford to start uh, to have uh, to spend more time on uh, on dreaming mm-hmm. uh, as uh, as an ecosystem, as a society of where we want to uh, to mm-hmm. to end up yeah. or to go to. Um, forums like uh, Power of BG uh, mm-hmm. are a very good example of this. Yes. Uh, you know, just having this collective. Um, uh, brainstorming, uh, brain trusts, you know, that uh, can produce this big vision mm-hmm. is very important. And we... Brain trust, I love this section. <laughs> 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 yeah. um, so we have to spend more time dreaming now mm-hmm. to see where we're going. And individually for you, what is the bravest dream that you can have about the ecosystem? <laughs> um, my big dream that I've laid down as a, uh, as a vision to, to my board recently for the next three years is to be a 
uh, be a very uh, active part in building an ecosystem with number of uh, well structured, well funded and resourceful players, mm -hmm. each focusing on a particular niche of uh, uh, of the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Whether sh this should be the capital supply side where you have uh, VCs uh, providing uh, uh, providing early stage money, uh, mm -hmm. early stage funding at idea um, idea stage, or working with uh, tech transfer uh, mm -hmm. offices towards up up towards the the scale up capital, or very importantly, uh, the support infrastructure, having organizations that work with students like mm -hmm. Innovator, like. Um, uh, entrepreneurs in class. <laughs> entrepreneurs in class, of course. Yes. Uh, all working with universities mm -hmm. uh, and having good incubators and accelerators at, at the universities, like Elevate in, yeah. in, in AUBG, or working with uh, young professionals like ABLE, mm -hmm. um, having um, advocacy and policy making, policy lobbying organizations like BESCO, for mm -hmm. example, mm -hmm. media. Mm -hmm. Specialized media like the recursive Forbes and, and everyone else. Mm -hmm. So, specialized players that do a great job and work with each other. That creates a strong ecosystem for me. Mm -hmm. And yes, we see our role being an active supporter of all uh, of this process happening. So, uh, you're like the synergizer between them? Do you see yourself as? Um, yeah. We aspire to be. To be. Yes, we okay. aspire to be. Mm -hmm. um, I also dream of um, an ecosystem that's um, that's a, a little bit of a perpetuum mobile that mm -hmm. uh, feeds on its own success. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're thinking of ways how we can recycle the success of the ecosystem back into the infrastructure that creates it. Yes. Uh, that's a big, uh, big idea, big, uh, big dream f uh, for me. And thirdly, mm -hmm. it's about what we mentioned earlier, creating these links between and among the countries in our region. Mm -hmm. Because just as no man is an island in, in our own country, in our own ecosystem, we stand a much better chance as a, as a region rather than as an individual country. I was recently thinking that uh, Bucharest, Sofia, even Cluj now, Istanbul, Athens, they're not innovation hubs really in themselves. It's more like a, it's like an axis of hubs because the more companies grow, the more they actually use the resources of the whole region. We see investments happening cross-border. We see talent also uh, talent acquisition happening cross-border. I mean, you can have your company in Sofia still grow a wonderful team in Romania. And we see that now more and more happening. What about the other resources of innovation? What about universities? What about uh, and all, all the others? True, absolutely so true. So I think the more we understand ourselves as a region, the better we are going to use these resources that uh, uh, need that we need to do innovation and we can share them and, and we're going to grow the pie bigger <laughs> we're going to benefit from that i don't 
you know, competition now seems so old school. <laughs> Nowadays, it is a it, it is a competition in misery in our case, you know. <laughs> exactly. uh, and the good thing is that this new wave of entrepreneurs, this new generation, um, has gotten over the the historical prejudice or the cultural prejudice that we have um, in abundance in our region, mm-hmm. uh, and clearly realizes what we're talking about that it's only working together where you, when you stand a better chance you know of uh, being noticed uh, getting more resources and succeeding eventually mm-hmm. so we see it more and more uh, to my satisfaction uh, it's still a long there's still a long way to go but the first steps are there you know the pattern the the the, the map is on the table mm-hmm. uh, we know where we where we need to to go mm-hmm. and how to get there it's just a matter of you know pushing it through i'm still a bit impatient i think we have you and i very much in common when it comes to personality types i just didn't get i haven't got to the point where i get more patient i just um at this point i feel like okay we celebrated enough we need to get things done <laughs> we need to you know, make the machine moving. We need to make the next steps. It's uh, the way I feel. Because in a way, I feel also like the world is uh, spinning faster and faster. And, True. That's the um, biggest challenge, I would say. Exactly. And we are in competition and there is also a train that we can miss. So um, I really hope that... Uh, I, I truly believe in... Um, how do they call it? Um, wishalizing. <laughs> you know that? Have you heard no, of that? <laughs> no. So it's like, you know, dreaming, you know, wishing for things, but also visualizing them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, looking at these little elements that kind of like bring you in a situation of a projected future. So you shared now the dream of, okay, this is, you know, the mechanism where we recycle the success. I really love, by the way, this concept uh, where we understand ourselves as one big region that is positioning itself maybe as a common brand to the world and makes a statement together to the world. Um, a synergized ecosystem where all the play- players understand their contribution to the big whole. <laughs> and I dream of a very similar thing. And I wanted us to think maybe, okay, how would we know that we have achieved that? I mean, maybe in five years we can together i think five years is that's reasonable it is reasonable (laughs) (laughs) amount of time how would we know that we got we got there (sighs) the most visible sign would be Mm -hmm. when we have um strong regional vcs Mm, okay uh coming out of um, any of the countries we are talking about Mm -hmm. we already have some from bulgaria but they need to again gain further uh, further size yes. um, when we have common platforms for mm-hmm. growing entrepreneurs mm-hmm. uh, we are working on, on a couple of those with our friends in uh, Endeavor Romania we are now talking about the Western Balkans um, and that this is just us you know there must be others as well um, also as much as possible unifying uh, or at least uh, inspiring each other in terms of um, uh, developing a forward-looking legislation, a forward-looking 
um, regulatory environment. Here I'm okay with competition, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so these governments, they can definitely true, 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 true. compete. Um, and that's, so you know, make them jealous of each other. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's how it's it how works. It usually works <laughs> in the Balkans. Uh, and we can provoke this. You know, that's the good thing. You know, we can provoke it. Uh, yes. So that's that's when you would start to say that uh, uh, you can start to say that we're talking the same language, you know, mm-hmm. same ent- entrepreneurial language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you said that when the companies would find it uh, irrelevant whether they uh, they're growing their team in in Sofia or Bucharest, they mm-hmm. can do both the similar with a similar ease, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, for them. Uh, it would be a matter of uh, practicality rather than anything else. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, then we have a date in five years. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward. We sit together. <laughs> and then I'm going to ask you the big questions about the big future. I think now we need to just focus on, okay, let's do the next five years and then we're going to think, okay, what comes next? Which are going to be the challenges then? I'm very curious. <laughs> As I said, it's now the time when we can really um, afford and allow ourselves to start dreaming big. Yes. Uh, we, there were so many uh, you know, small steps that we had to take until now mm. in order to get where we are. And now that we have this uh, platform, we have gotten on this hill, we can really dream about the, the top. The next hill. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's always like this in life. Monchu, thank you. Thank you for this conversation. It's been a real pleasure. I'm sure that we will be working very closely in the future together because, yeah, many, many reasons. You you know them all, especially on the regional aspect. I think it is the right timing. Uh, with the recursive, I think we were a bit lucky and we hit a nerve exactly at the moment where this kind of uh, identity started developing. So regional platforms are necessary, inclusively a platform like Endeavor. And uh, I think about my big dreams, then maybe we can think of, but they are not much different than yours. <laughs> we'll be dreaming together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I like this message from you. Maybe we should really dream a bit for now and then we get into the next steps. But we need to still sit together and form a vision. True, 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 true. Yeah? Good. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you so much. Thank you, Rina. Next on the Recursive Podcast, we meet with Dimitar Enchev, Managing Partner at Postscriptum Ventures, a private equity fund focused on sustainability and energy transition. We're going to also have to become a lot smarter about how we use energy, right? Because if one way to lower emissions is by using less energy, right? So, um of course, I'm not talking about you know going back to the caveman days, right, or you know building a hippie commune. But we need to be- become more intelligent about how we do energy, and the way to do that is to digitalize, right? So, mm-hmm. digitalize, decentralize, decarbonize. Right? Those are the, the, the three big trends in in the uh, energy sector. So, you, you, the way we use energy and electricity is going to have to is going to have to overlap with the IT sector a lot. Right? Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of opportunity there. In fact, there is a recent, uh, recently announced Series A by a Bulgarian company called Ampeco that mm-hmm. does basically operating systems for charging points for electric cars, right? Super proud of you guys. Yeah, and they're, <laughs> they're fantastic. And they, they, they're kind of putting this whole thing, and I would like to think that we're doing the same, uh, 
this whole big topic they're putting it on on the map right they're they're kind of attracting attention mm -hmm. for the next founder to think about okay well maybe i can do something with uh with electric cars you know yes. uh so again getting back to uh, uh my attempt to systematize the you know the opportunity or what needs to happen mm -hmm. for the world to decarbonize right so you have electricity and transportation and industry you know we already covered a lot of electrification a lot of green energy a lot of um, decentralization and uh, digitalization um, and then you have some some areas that are hard to abate some more difficult areas where we're going to have to be even more creative so for example buildings right when you build a large building, you use a lot of concrete and you mm. use a lot of steel. Both are very carbon intensive. Well, we actually have an investment, which is a really cool investment. It's back to basics, but I, it's one of my favorite investments. We built, we bought uh, the largest sawmill in Uruguay and we invested um, like 25 million to build a CLT uh, facility. CLT is a cross-laminated timber. Okay. And it's basically timber that you can build a skyscraper out of, right? It's it's basically processed a in such a way that you you can actually use it to, to like a real one, not a, yes, a model a real of it. One. Absolutely. <laughs> and when you think about it, right, you're replacing steel and concrete by wood, right? Uh, isn't that bad also? I mean, we were we, no. I mean, we spoke about deforestation, you know. No, so deforestation. So I'm sorry. <laughs> the 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 way that you have to manage it, right? You're not, you know, okay. you can't cut virgin forest. So what what's you have to make sure that uh, the forest that you're using mm -hmm. is uh, what's called sustainable forest, okay. right? So basically, you take less than what the forest produces each year right so mm -hmm. you you have you're an equilibrium and, and you take it in a sustainable way and in fact this actually promotes a healthy forest right uh, so and and we do that in uruguay uh, but also the, the the logic behind why this is good for the climate crisis for emissions is that trees as they grow they suck up carbon from the atmosphere that's what they're made of right yes. they suck up co2 and produce oxygen mm -hmm. through photosynthesis so in a way what you're doing by building a skyscraper out of wood is that you're actually locking that carbon you're sucking it out of the atmosphere so you're not only carbon negative so you're not only carbon neutral you're actually carbon negative you're sequestering mm -hmm. carbon in the building right and you know, people are doing green cement, or people are doing green steel, and all sorts of innovation is happening in this space, right? Uh, and what about recycling? And of course, recycling—that's okay. a—that's a big topic, right? What yeah. we're doing, we're here in in Bulgaria. We're kind of—I think there is two procedures against Bulgaria for not recycling and for not utilizing waste, right? So mm -hmm. we're just putting it in the ground. We're just landfilling it. At the same time, I visited at some point an event where um, the lecturers were also putting the whole thing into perspective and were saying that there is a huge opportunity in waste and the innovators who are going to utilize waste, 
they're going to be extremely successful. That's actually a huge opportunity because there is. we're going, we are producing more and more waste. Yeah, and, and it's gold. It, it is. turns out that now waste is actually gold. Yeah, and literally there is actually gold in it, right? <laughs> so, uh, but no, it, it is valuable. It's the and, waste trash. <laughs> and, and it's and, and and there is economic opportunity in that as well. I mean, mm. that's how. That's how the economy is supposed to work, right? If yeah. you're create, if you're doing something that society needs, right, which is mm-hmm. what we just mentioned, you're supposed to make money. So there, there is supposed to be economic opportunity in that. So um, that's mm-hmm. a good thing, you know. You know, economic signals are supposed to to point in the right direction, right? Yes. And if you are just as passionate about innovation as we are, hit subscribe for the Recursive Podcast on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. We're everywhere.